0: In this episode of the OCR Underground Show, I am going to talk about my virtual race 2.0, how the quarantine is affecting your body, how hyperventilating can actually improve your performance, and I chat with Marco Altini on heart rate variability. Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. Hey guys, this is Mike Diebler and welcome to episode 71 of the OCR Underground show. As always, thank you so much for joining me. If you want to check out the show notes for this episode, make sure you head on over to ocrunderground.com slash episode 71. Well, it feels like we're in week 30 of our uh, quarantine. Um, I know how crazy of a situation this is and I know how crazy social media is and just all the arguing and debating and everything going on and of course we all have our opinions and i promised myself i wouldn't get into it but there's one thing i definitely want to at least bring up and that is one thing we know about this whole situation is those that are struggling with the coronavirus are the ones that are um, suffering from underlying conditions and the thing that I, I think we should all be proactive with is, can you remove any of those um, high-risk situations? And, you know, sometimes you might not be able to, if age being one of them. So that's unfortunately not something we can change. Uh, but if you have less and less underlying conditions, your mortality rate goes down for all cause mor- mortality, for heart disease and, and all these other things. So This should be the focus, and this is where I hope people start focusing and talking about is, well, what can we do as a population to improve some of these factors? How do we Uh, decrease heart disease and heart conditions and metabolic disease and diabetes and obesity this should be the focus because I mean just imagine what our numbers would look like if we didn't have anybody who was obese or suffering from some of these or at least if our numbers were very very low versus what we see today Uh, I think we probably see very few people suffering from this disease because we would be totally fine to handle this and I think that needs to be the focus moving forward But I promise I won't get into it too much. I want to get to the training um, and make sure we're we're staying on track with what I normally focus on. But I know this is just something everybody's talking about, so I wanted to at least bring it up a little bit to start the show off today. Um, But I want to move on to my virtual race that's coming up. So depending on when you're listening to this episode, uh, I just want to give you the details real quick on Saturday, May 23rd. I will be hosting my second live virtual OCR. So this is different than most OCRs out there in the fact that it is live. This is something we're going to do together. Um, I I love all the virtual races out there. I think they're great and they're motivating, but I miss the race. I miss being with people and competing. And I wanted to try and bring that aspect to, um, to this type of setting. We don't know when... All the races are going to open back up yet so this is uh, kind of the best thing we have so here's how it works we're going to have two heats again just like last time um, the first one is going to be the treadmill version so if you have a, a treadmill at home and you want to compete that way uh, you'll go out in the first heat at 9 a.m uh, pacific standard time and if you want to do it without a treadmill you're going to go off at 9 45. Uh, the idea is the same though we're basically going to see how far you can run in 30 minutes and you're going to have to do a bunch of obstacles and you're going to do the obstacles with me. Um, We'll be on a live zoom call so I can see everything, make sure you're doing it, explain what you're going to be doing. You will need some equipment again, um, I'm going to need you to have some type of weighted object like a sandbag. Um, Preferable weights for men is going to be 50 to 60 pounds, women it's going to be 20 to 30 pounds. Uh, Sandbags are great, buckets tend to work, even a kettlebell or something like that will work uh, as well. You're also going to need something to hang from. So whether that be a pull-up bar, um, you can, you know, if you have a squat rack or a rig or, you know, hang something from the door, whatever it might be, just you need to be able to hang from something. Uh, In the show notes, I'll have all the details for the race, uh, but I did put together a video last time on how you can build your own pull-up bar so you can check that out as well Um, and then final thing one thing i'm adding you're going to need a dumbbell uh suggested weights women's going to be 10 to 20 pounds men's going to be 20 to 30 pounds so that's what you're going to need if you want to participate so hopefully you can get out and get some of those things if you don't have them yet um and yeah it's going to be a fun event there is a 20 dollars registration fee and all racers will get a finisher t-shirt that we will send out to you. So it's going to be fun. If you have any questions, feel free to let me know. But if you head on over to ocrunderground.com virtual, you can learn more about it and uh, get get signed up today. I also want to take a minute and let you know about the sponsors for this show. Uh, first up, we have Fitbar. I've talked about them before. And, um, I mentioned the video that I used uh, some of the Fitbar grip products to build my own pull-up bars, but really cool tools for building grip strength. Uh, you should also check out their new suspension trainer. Uh, so it's kind of like the TRX straps, but their version. Really cool, affordable price. Check out all of their really awesome products at www.fitbarstrong.com and use code OCR Underground and get 10% off. And also I want to let you know about Venga CBD. Uh, Venga CBD makes CBD products specifically with the endurance athlete in mind. Um, It is water soluble. It's five times more absorbable than most CBD products out there. Uh, I'm a big fan of it, especially with uh, some of the stress and anxiety with the situation we've been dealing with. It has definitely helped uh, get some good night's sleep and and help with recovery uh, so I can stay on top of my training as we're getting through this. So check out all of their products at vengacbd.com slash OCR underground. And don't forget to use code OCR underground and you can receive 15% off your order. Okay. So I lied a little bit. We we're going to talk a little bit more about the soul situation uh, in the inside Mike's mind segment, but really what I want to focus on is more of just this idea of the self quarantine and what it's doing to us. So I want you to ask a question to yourself, are you doing things differently now than you did before this whole situation hit? And I'm willing to bet there's, you know, uh, a big yes to that question. And the the main thing is think about your your daily routine now and what it consists of. So, and I'm speaking personally here, I'm obviously home all the time. Uh, i'm sitting way more than i normally do and i'm often at weird positions where uh, you know my kitchen table might be a desk or the counter or even you know using a filing cabinet and i'm just stuck in these positions for a long time when i'm you know working with clients or whatever i might be doing and this absolutely has an effect on my body just the idea of just sitting more um, is doing a lot i've noticed that um, you know my hips being tighter my shoulders being tighter so this whole situation you know has lots of different consequences to it but one being that it's it's changing our posture it's changing our positions it's changing our movement and it's something that we have to really take account uh, in account for when putting together our programs. So when you're doing your exercise routines, are you just going about it like you always did? You know, and maybe your routine hasn't changed and and this isn't even something you need to talk about. So this is mainly for people who have noticed their daily routine has significantly changed because they are at home now and they're working from home and and they're not on their feet or they're not doing what they used to do. I, I think you need to pay attention to this and how it might influence what you do. I know a lot of people that... Um, you know, I work with that they went from, well, I'm stuck at home, I might as well start working out more, or I might as well start running, or whatever it is. And they they haven't done these things before. And they just kind of threw their body into it. And now they're they're paying for it a little bit. So we have to be careful with, you know, what what we're doing to our bodies. So the, the biggest thing you know, I want you to take away from this is, are you taking a little extra time you know, for a little TLC to, to take care of your body? So this is something hopefully you're always doing. You're doing your foam rolling. You're doing your breathing and your breath work. You're doing your mobility drills, um, working on your weaknesses, things like that. But just realize that maybe your weaknesses are changing. Maybe you never really had an issue with tightness before, but just because of the lack of movement in your, your daily routine now things are starting to change. So uh, just keep this in check and 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 focus on it with maybe your warm-up routine. So if, if we know we're sitting a lot, we know certain muscles are going to be tighter than others and need extra work. So I know, you know, the big one obviously is the hip flexors. So I'm making sure that we're doing everything possible to um, lengthen those hip flexors a little bit. Now, I, I put together a video that I'm going to put in the show notes for this because this is such an important thing, but most people, they, they're like, okay, I get it. I'm going to stretch out my hip flexors more, but if you're not careful, you can be actually making things a little bit worse with how you stretch your hip flexors um, and not understanding what your hip position should be when you're going into, uh, you know, say like a half kneeling uh, hip flexor stretch and, and going more into a back stretch. So, um, it's, it's a little harder to explain it over a podcast. So, uh, definitely check out the video that I post in the show notes on how you should probably stretch out your flexors. But I kind of make it a rule that if I'm going to sit for, uh, 30 minutes, I have to get up and move around, um, and get into this stretch. And even when I'm working with clients, you know, I'm doing a lot of zoom coaching and things like that. Now, a lot of times I'll, I'll be doing it instead of sitting now. Um, or even just standing, I'm, I'm trying to constantly move. So I might do a few minutes standing. I might do a few minutes sitting. Um, and then I might even get a little bit of stretching in there where I'm on one knee doing this kind of hip flexor stretch. But the main idea is to, to keep moving. Um, we know being in one position for too long is, is not going to be good. And uh, we want to make sure doing everything we can there. So uh, the hips are going to be a big one. And then obviously the shoulders too. So uh, being kind of stuck at a computer you know, on these Zoom things and, and all the stuff that we're doing, um, our, our shoulders are being pulled forward. So now we have the hip flexors shortened. We have the the shoulders, the pecs shortened. And um, now we just get up and expect to, to go run or do a workout. And it's going it to uh, pay its price uh, eventually. So I just wanted to remind you to this type of stuff is affecting you and make sure you're paying attention to it because we don't want to be beating ourselves up even more. We're under enough stress with this situation, so let's make sure we're not adding unneeded stress by you know, not, not taking care of our body. So work on those hips, work on those shoulders, um, take a little extra time with with breathing and stretching before your workout. And then probably the most important thing is when this does finally lift and we're kind of going back to normal, um, it's a great time to check in and, and make sure are you ready to to go back? You know, if you haven't been doing all the same things you used to do, should you just expect to to be where you were when you left off? You know, probably not. You're probably gonna have to build back up. So keep that in mind when you when you kind of get back into it. We're all gonna be gung-ho and, and ready to to explode, but we want to make sure we do it safely and and don't, you know, set ourselves back with an injury right off the bat. So Um, One thing I am offering, if you need a little checkup, I do, and I do this virtually, I do a a functional movement screen where I can meet on a Zoom call, watch you move, and give you a little bit of feedback. So uh, I do this just $20. It takes about 20 minutes, and um, I can uh, help you out and just let you know some things and some areas that you might want to work on. So if you're interested, you can just shoot me an email at mike at OCR Underground, and I can uh, give you more details on that all right well it's time for our research review and i have a a couple interesting ones here and uh, we're going to talk about hyperventilating which seems like a weird topic and i know breathing is something that i've talked about a lot on this podcast and just stressed the importance of it because it's amazing how how you breathe how much in your body you can actually influence so um, I have two studies that I wanted to share, and it was uh, focusing on how hyperventilation might actually boost performance. And how this works is when you're exercising, especially at high intensity, so if you're doing like sprints or um, lifting heavy weight, things like that, we we obviously fatigue. We can only do that for so long before our, our muscles are, are going to not be able to produce the same amount of force. Now. One of the reasons that we fatigue is the um, pH balance is changing. We're we're becoming more acidic. And in that environment, it's becoming harder and harder for muscles to contract, to to produce energy. Um, So they they have to slow down so this doesn't continue because it'll eventually damage the muscle if it becomes too acidic. Now, hyperventilating is actually a way to increase to to change the pH, to actually increase uh, alkalosis, to become more alkaline. So the theory is, well, if you can uh, decrease that acidity through hyperventilating, will it help boost performance at all? So that's what they did in this first study. Uh, They wanted to compare it actually with uh, strength training. So what they had the individuals do were six sets of bench press and leg press, and they did this at 80% of their one rep one-rep max and they were training every set of the six sets was to failure so they're pushing as hard as they can um, using 80% of their predetermined one-rep max. Now the interesting part what they did was in those six sets they alternated how they recovered. So during their recovery um, after every other set they would hyperventilate. So how they determined this they did approximately um one, uh, 60 uh, they breathe at a pace of 60 breaths per minute. So one breath per second. So kind of a fast inhale exhale. Um, so just kind of imagine hyperventilating. So they were um, on purpose breathing at a little bit faster pace than normal. Then on the other set, so they did that every other set and in between those sets, they did just spontaneous breathing. So they basically just said breathe normally in between each sets and they just wanted to measure, what was the difference between those two sets and overall um, in terms of of strength and velocity or how many reps they were doing and velocity and the findings were pretty interesting so what they found were after the um, hyperventilating they or after i'm sorry after the spontaneous breathing so when they just breathe normally they saw considerably uh, um, higher decreases in speed and rep count Each set, so they were lifting slower and they weren't able to get as many reps. Uh, With the hyperventilating uh, ventilation recovery for those sets, they saw an increase a range of 21 to 55 percent increase in the number of reps performed in those sets, and they also saw an increase in six to 15 percent in velocity. So, really interesting by just controlling your breath. Um, they were actually able to get more reps and maintain a higher velocity for bench press and leg press, which is really interesting. Uh, another study, just real quickly, basically doing the exact same thing, um, but they wanted to look more uh, for a cardio benefit versus that strength benefit. So they were on the bike and they did 10 sets of 10 second all out sprints and they did a 60 second recovery. Um, And they had groups do both. They do this two times. So they would do it once where they would just do that spontaneous breathing in between sets. They recover a minute, 10 second sprint, recover a minute, do that for 10 rounds. And uh, they also did it with hyperventilating where the last 30 seconds of the 60 second recovery, they would hyperventilate. So they would increase their breathing rate there. Um, And they basically saw very similar findings. So they, they found that the, uh, hyperventilating in between the recover actually um, slowed down that uh, dec- uh, decrease in performance so they were actually to maintain higher intensities throughout later in the the workout so for those later sets where the spontaneous group was slowing down the hyperventilating groups were able to maintain that intensity for longer so, just a, a really interesting study. I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't played around with this at all uh, in between sets. So I have done things, you know, as part of a warm-up routine. I know we've, we've talked on previous podcasts about using breath holds and things like that in order to boost performance. This is just another um, tool that you potentially could use to increase, with your training at least, Uh, Increased performance, maybe in between intervals or in between sets, depending on what you might be doing. I I wanted to bring both these up because it showed these both show that this type of breathing actually benefit in both in terms of strength and in uh, cardiovascular endurance. So. Uh, pretty interesting there, so it's something that I, I definitely want to play around with. I, I can't say that I've done it a ton, but I, I wanted to bring it up because I thought it was interesting. And and if, if you guys want to try it out there, I would definitely love some feedback to see if if it does help. If you notice any difference doing that hyperventilating. So again, it's just uh, increasing your respiration, so you're you're breathing about one breath per second. So it's going to be a little bit faster. Obviously, be careful anytime we mess with you know any type of breathing drills like this with breath hold. Um, you have to take caution if it's something you're really not used to. It it can get uncomfortable, you can get dizzy, and um, you know, we don't want you dizzy and then having lifting weights and, or something like that. So um, definitely take caution when, when doing something like this. Have a, a spot or a partner, or somebody that can help you out uh, if you, if you want to try this. Uh, but anyway, it just goes to show how important your breath is. So even if you don't want to try something like this, your breath controls your physiology and it's something that you need to pay attention to. So learning how to control your breath, uh, just in general, seems to be a, a, a huge tool in your training program. So if you're not doing any type of breath training, I think just one being mindful of breathing and controlling it so you know when you're doing your your sprints or doing your your lifting you know are you doing anything are you focused on your breathing at all if not i think that's where you start you just focus on you know breathing during your training breathing during your recovery being mindful of it and then once you get that down uh, playing around with some of the other breathing strategies that we've talked about on this podcast Okay. So it is time for the interview section of this episode. And today I have Marco Altini and he's joining us from Amsterdam today. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I have been emailing you for a while. So I'm I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, Actually, I woke up just a little while ago and measured my HRV using your app. So Marco is the uh, creator of HRV for training Um, heart rate variability something we talked about before but I'm excited to uh, chat more. So uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, we're gonna talk about some uh, really interesting topics here Uh, But first off, how are you holding up with just our you know current situation that we're in right now? How are things over there?
1: You know like uh, everyone else I would say trying to adjust daily, you know, uh, to what is the new normal spending most of my time indoors I got a treadmill, and also you know, at least I can keep doing my running.
0: <laughs> exactly, I know we're all all finding the new norm. Hopefully, uh, sounds like from we were talking before we recorded uh, recorded, it's uh, slowly letting up, just like it is here. So hopefully, we can get out and do some more things shortly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I mentioned, I've I've talked heart rate variability on this podcast before. Um, it's something that I, I truly believe in and I've seen a lot of great things come out of, but I think you will be able to talk about it way more in depth than I can, <laughs> and I'd love to get your take. So let's just start by how did you get involved with heart rate variability in the first place? Cause you've been, I think you've been uh, doing this since 2012, the app started. So, um, how did you get involved with it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's been uh, it's been indeed quite some time. Um, so I have a technical background, say. Uh, so I studied, you know, computer science, engineering, and then I did a PhD in data science. But it was all uh, always applied to interpreting data collected using sensors, uh, wearable sensors, so physiological data. Um, and that was you know about uh, 10 years ago maybe when I started so um, the the early days you know of having devices that can track uh, heart activity uh, you know stress uh, muscle activity all sort of things Uh, so we were building these prototypes in this R&D institute where I was working um, in which uh, with which you know we could collect all of these parameters but at the same time again it was but it was also the early days of the first smartphones and then you know technology got a bit better it seemed easier to collect data even using sensors that were finally a bit more uh, user-friendly and consumer-ready and then I started you know looking at things uh, you could um, analyze in a way that was easy for people to do and was also insightful for them and I got um, let's say more and more interested into physiology and um what is physiological stress and how you measure it which is eventually through heart variability and that's a bit of you know i started working with this technology that led them to um, the development of the app that you know that allows you to measure just using the phone so making it even simpler than uh, than when you needed sensors
0: awesome yeah and it is incredibly simple to use um so why don't we talk about So could you explain what heart rate variability is just for any, any listeners that maybe haven't heard this term before?
1: Yeah. So, uh, heart rate variability refers to the fact that the heart does not beat at a constant frequency, but there is always some variability between beats. And this is interesting because, uh, this variability basically is controlled by the nervous system and in particular by how your body is responding to stress. Uh, as it adjusts to basically maintain a state of balance and you know uh, anything is stress Uh, you know what we call stressors could be physical activity but it could be psychological stress uh, lifestyle anything we do uh, has an impact on our physiology and you know our system again tries to maintain this state of balance which is necessary for health and you know optimal functioning and then, uh, by measuring heart rate variability, we just get an insight into this mechanism. If we do it right, you know, if we do the measurement, something maybe we can talk about later, uh, you know, at the right time. And the result, um, it's not uh, difficult, but there is a certain protocol you need to follow for this to make sense, uh, because due to the nature of uh, what we are measuring, which is indeed this uh, continuous readjustment of the autonomic nervous system. There is always something going on. So what you want to capture is, you know, this our what we call baseline or chronic stress level more than these um, other maybe transitory stresses that are always affecting us, even just, you know, having coffee or light activity.
0: And so this I I, I like I use the word balance because I think sometimes when they hear about the nervous system and like our, you know, parasympathetic and, and sympathetic. They think it's kind of on or off, but this is truly what it's looking like is how they work together, correct?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, also as athletes or, you know, uh, individuals that always try to maybe, uh, you know, get to optimize certain, you know, certain parameters or to improve them. You, you can think for an athlete, it could be, you know, some metrics related to performance. Uh, all of that you know the way we look at h r v is a bit different we don 't necessarily look at it you know in a way uh, that we would look at other performance metrics, meaning that uh, what matters the most here is indeed to try to maintain this optimal state of balance more than you know to achieve uh certain values it 's really about you know the continuous feedback that you use daily uh, to make sure that you know uh, you 're not going into a, A state of chronic stress uh, that could impair, you know, uh, everything from health to performance.
0: And it's and I think some people some people just uh, have a hard time with this concept, because when we think of performance, we typically think of a result or, um, you know, a time in a a race or a a weight that you're lifting. And we associate it closely with like the muscle output. So, you know, energy, um, strength, all those types of things but we forget that, or maybe we just don't realize, you know, the nervous system controls everything. And this, so what you're saying is we're using this as a tool to look at the status of the nervous system on how well it can do all the things that we want it to do for the muscle.
1: Exactly. Because you know, our capacity to handle stress is always limited, right? We cannot take uh, unlimited stress. So by, keeping in check, you know, what's the status of the system and, you know, making sure that if we detect that there is more stress on the system due to, uh, any sort of factors and we make some adjustments to, again, stay in what is our optimal zone, then we can certainly, um, you know, improve the process in the longer term.
0: So how about, what about looking at heart rate? So is, is there a value in just looking at heart rate? What would be, Is it more beneficial to do heart rate variability? What what are kind of the differences there?
1: So heart rate um, is also a useful marker, I would say, Uh, even in the same application, you know, looking at stress. um, The difference, the main difference, I would say, is that uh, changes in heart modulation, which change variability, but also average heart rate, uh, are just captured better by artery variability in a way that is just a more sensitive marker to, of, of stress. So if you have very large stressor, you know, like um, getting sick, for example, then your resting heart rate most likely is really high with respect to your normal. So, you know, that's enough information. You don't need to look into variability in that case, even sometimes. Um, But if there are other forms of stress uh, that are maybe a bit more subtle or slowly creeping in, um, then, you know, you can capture this better with heart rate variability because you could have a reduction in variability even while maintaining the same resting heart rate. So from that point of view, I think, you know, even in the old days for, you know, professional team sports, they would use heart rate because it was just not possible to measure HRV, you know, conveniently and reliably. But then everybody, I think, shifted at this point uh, to something that is uh, a bit of a better marker of stress in general.
0: And so with HRV being a little bit more of um, a sensitive tool to see these things, is it is it possible to see things you know, you brought up being sick. Would you see uh, HRV changing potentially before you actually got the symptoms of being sick? Uh, Or is it something that, you know, once you're sick, then you're going to see all of these uh, markers change?
1: It could be. It could be that you see it a bit in advance. Uh, Not much in advance. I would say one day before, two tops. Mm -hmm. This could be, you know, because maybe your body is already fighting an infection and and at work uh, and, you know, you don't realize that yet maybe. Uh, and, and it's already detected by these markers. And of course, at that point, it's however difficult to pinpoint it to something because, you know, it could be any stressor, but you know, you could have a sort of a red flag and that could help you already making some, some small adjustments, you know, just going easier those days. Awesome. Uh, so
0: I know breath is involved a lot with this. So, um, I I do want to talk about actually taking the measurement, but, um, can you just talk about how just breathing affects HRV? Um, yeah, we'll just leave it there first.
1: So um, let's say that there is um, an impact of uh, breathing on HRV. Uh, and I would say this opens you know, a whole different application of HRV, which is you know, uh, linked to what we call biofeedback and you know, deep breathing exercises that are supposed to stimulate your parasympathetic activity and to strengthen that uh, if you practice consistently. And this is a bit different from uh, the morning measurements that you would do uh, with the app to quantify stress, so I would say two applications here, two applications here one is okay let 's try to capture stress, quantify it so that we can see how we are doing. Uh, this is just from a measurement point of view, you know uh, an awareness point of view and then there is another aspect which is we can use breathing and deep breathing um to stimulate the parasymp and strengthen the parasympathetic nervous system and potentially also in the long term if you do that for uh, several weeks you know consistently potentially have a positive impact in our physiology in a way that you would even be able to capture it with your morning measurements which are again meant to quantify the overall the overall level uh, of the body so i would say this um you know um very interesting, I would say, aspect, because you do not just measure, but you actually try to uh, do something to your physiology even in the long term uh, using, again, breathing, which uh, is certainly a powerful tool. Uh, and yeah, that's that's a bit how the two could interact. Awesome.
0: Yeah. So to, to just uh, recap what you're saying there is with with breathing, we're going to involve it with the actual testing procedure and, and capturing the data uh, in a specific way. But um, maybe more long-term, we a lot of people out there are probably doing some type of breathing exercise, but this is a, a, a nice way to actually see how it's affecting your physiology and if you can make make a change and change your baseline even just with consistent breathing, um, which is nice because it's, it's a simple thing. And sometimes you don't necessarily see the Uh, the outcome, because it's not like you maybe jump higher or push a heavier weight, but it is making a difference there.
1: Yeah, yes, definitely. And uh, I think it's just important to understand that uh, when you do those exercises, now if you use technology also while you do those, and you know, you could track that and see how your physiology changes as you do it. Um, However, that's like an acute effect. It's like, you know, uh, a stressor what you could call a positive stressor, right? That it improves even your HRV acutely in that moment. Uh, and that's great because you're working on it. At the same time, I think what matters is then to be able to uh, you know, measure outside of that window so that you see, again, how that is affecting uh, you know, your baseline and your physiology at rest and not only during uh, that specific training.
0: Okay, awesome. So let's get into the measurement. A little bit so how how do how do we do this best times uh, just procedures that that are a great place to start yeah
1: so uh you know looking back to what we talked about before and the fact that anything affects physiology um in research basically what was always done was to measure first thing in the morning uh you know technology wasn't as great so you get People in the lab, uh, you tell them, you know, no food, no coffee, no smoking for two hours. Um, get here by car uh, and then rest 30 minutes and then take your measurement, right? Now it's much easier. So uh, the idea, though, is the same. So you do it first thing in the morning when you wake up and you're still in bed. That's best because, again, you are not affected by everything that you're going to do later. Um, and, you know, the the whole point is really just to do it in this, what we would call this, reproducible context. So a moment that every day can be very similar. Uh, and the easiest is again when you wake up uh, before you're affected by other factors. The only alternative I would say to this morning routine is uh, to have a device that measures during the entire night. Um, for example, the order ring does that well. Um, and then you know you can get an average of the night. Uh, get it from in this specific case, you can even use our app paired with the ring, get the night data. Uh, I use it in the same way. Uh, I would say both these uh, these methods, the night data and the morning routine, are a reliable way to capture uh, baseline chronic stress, uh, which is what we want to capture here to understand, you know, again, how we are responding to training and and lifestyle stress and make adjustments.
0: And I know within the app, there are a few different adjustments you can make, like, um, say, time, for example. Have you found... Um, doing it for one minute, two minutes, three minutes, um, one better than the other? Are they all good options?
1: Yeah, I would say they're all good options. You know, there have been a couple of papers published showing that one minute is actually as good as five. Uh, So especially if you use the camera version, I would recommend using one or two minute stops because, you know, you have to um, stay there with your hand on the camera uh, and still, because of course, movement could be a problem. So it's shorter is a bit easier and the data is as good. So it doesn't really matter. I would say at this point uh, that has been shown that for the metrics we use, which are representative of, again, parasympathetic activity and overall stress on the body, uh, short measurements are uh, are pretty good.
0: Okay. And then, uh, you know, we mentioned breathing. So what specific sh- things should we pay attention to with, with breathing while we're taking our
1: In this case, I would say really not to, um, you know, focus particularly on breathing or not to do deep breathing exercises or anything like that, but just to relax and breathe naturally, you know, the way you would breathe just lying there. Because what we want to do here is just to capture this level of physiological stress without you uh, affecting it artificially at that point uh, with breathing. So the easiest is really just lie down relax and take a minute or two for the measurement and and do that the same way every day.
0: Okay. That that makes sense. So you're not, you know, if you do some of those, um, breathing exercises and you might get a, a different reading than if you were just to, to breathe how you normally breathe. Exactly. So
1: the breathing exercise, uh, should be done maybe later. Um, you know, after you've done your, your check, then, uh, then you can do it differently. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Okay, so we we did our test. Um, now we get our reading. So what recommendations would you give, you know, based on whatever my, my score might be?
1: So first thing is uh, that for HRV, it really uh, makes no sense to compare people. So uh, this is one of the most important things. Um, I wouldn't even look at you know reference values for different populations is, is really something very individual. And that is uh, such a strong genetic factor um, that you know it, it doesn't make sense um, to compare different individuals. So you always wanna look at your own historical data, which means you have to do this three, four days before you have anything useful because the system needs to learn what's your normal and you know what's your baseline. And that's what the app does. Um, at the fourth day, I believe, uh, it starts providing you with some feedback. And as you gather data, we actually use the past two months of data uh, to understand you know, what's your normal physiology, what's a normal variation for you, which means you know, when you measure HRV, you will notice there, are, there can be even large changes between one day or the other. Uh, but these changes could be nothing particularly relevant. You know, The score could be a bit lower but that variation is just normal for you. So you don't have to worry about that. And that's what the app, uh, you know, will show you. So it will learn uh, what's normal for you, what's a normal variation. And then if your score is really suppressed, even outside of what is normal for you, then it will be flagged until, you know, the system will tell you, uh, you know, your physiology, your HRV is below uh, what is normal for you. And maybe, you know, today is uh, a good idea to, to limit intensity or, you know, reduce stress in general.
0: So have you guys looked at any specific, maybe, you know, talk breathing, but any other recovery methods out there that you've noticed change, maybe uh, quicker recovery times, um, you know, things like ice baths are really popular or just taking the day off and, and not exercising anything you've seen that really seems to make a good change or impact on that score.
1: Yeah. Good question. So, um, I would say that we've been mostly focused on really trying to help people capture this data uh, and you know analyze it systematically, but we have not looked particularly into strategies to uh, improve it or to improve recovery in the longer term. Um, so what we could see also from other studies uh, on let's say the best course of action based on your data. Could be, for example, you know, simply not even taking a day off, but just reducing intensity seems to be done a lot in the recent studies that have shown uh, positive outcomes. And as positive outcomes, I mean, uh, for example, runners or cyclists that were able to improve performance while training um, a bit or less because they would just not uh, put that high intensity stimulus when their body was already stressed, which of course makes a lot of sense. And, you know, they would follow regular periodization, which also makes sense. But at the same time, you know, once you have uh, a hard session scheduled, if your body is already stressed, then, you know, timing matters. So maybe you don't want to take that stimulus that day Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, just scaling down intensity. And again, if people train every day and they are used to that, that could be normal for them. And you don't have to take a day off, but reducing intensity seems to be good strategy to to improve performance in the longer term using these uh these tools all right
0: perfect and i'm sure a lot of our listeners uh like that that they don't have to just stop they can still do something just just watch that intensity um now in terms of the type of athletes that would use this uh is this something particularly useful for a certain type of an athlete more endurance based or more strength based or is it something that, you know, regardless of the type of event you might be doing, you're, you're going to see some value in this.
1: So in my view, uh, and of course, it's biased. Yeah. but You know, <laughs> uh, what we measure here is really stress. So uh, it doesn't really matter, yeah, in my opinion, what you do, meaning that, you know, there is stress in everybody's life and, What we see in the data consistently is the impact of, for example, uh, a training stimulus that is new to you, uh, you know, regardless of what is your sport, or a volume that is new to you, you know, if you are loading particularly in a certain period with respect to the past, or simply if there is uh, stress that comes from other sources that is not training, and you know that is again in everybody's life because you know there's uh, work maybe there is uh, traveling there was traveling uh, (laughs) there is uh, family there is all sorts of things that again have an impact and our capacity to handle stress is limited so by being aware of stress you can make meaningful adjustments uh, I would say regardless even of your interest uh, in training
0: okay perfect now you you brought up some things uh, so stress I think we're all under a little bit higher level of stress right now with, with so much unknown and being at home. And I know you've been looking at some things uh, in in regards to this current situation. So I'd love to hear just what you're looking at, what kind of data you're collecting. And um, it may be too early to say anything, but just any trends that you happen to be seeing right now.
1: Yeah, so we are supporting some some studies. In this case, um, we don't look at the data ourselves. We provide the instruments, like the app you use, uh, to universities that are uh, doing studies. I would say on two aspects. Uh, one is uh, on the psychological impact, you know, of uh, the stressful situation we are living, in particularly you know, in countries where they had a bit of a heavier lockdown, uh, like in Italy or in Spain, where people could not even go out uh for for a long period so they have been using the tools to capture again uh heart rate viability and you know coming back to the previous point you know in this case people are not even training anymore uh we are using the instrument just to capture what is psychological stress which is most likely the major stressor in this period for these people so um i think that's that's one side of things and then another side is uh talking again about uh how physiology changes as you get an infection uh the, you could use um these systems also as diagnostic tools of course they're not very specific of the condition right because they just capture stress on the body so you have to watch for the user's symptoms uh and everything that can help getting you know the full picture but at the same time it can be um a flag again that that you um, that you combine with other parameters uh, to get to uh, some sort of diagnostic tool. And that's uh, some other studies that we are collaborating with in which they would use the tool combined uh, also, for example, with um, temperature reading and those sorts of things that are uh, associated with, um, with the current pandemic and, yeah. and see if they can develop some useful tools there as well.
0: Awesome. And, uh, and I'm assuming all of these are still currently being run right now and they can't make any. Yeah, any exactly. It's uh
1: it's all work in progress.
0: Yeah. It, it'll, I, it's just going to be interesting to see. And hopefully, I mean, hopefully this never happens again, but just to give us some insight moving forward on how we can take care of ourselves. And I know um, me personally, just looking at my results and, you know, my training has obviously changed. We can, we can get outside and do things, but it's there's a lot going on and the stress for me personally tends to be more on the uh, psychological side right now. And I'm still trying to listen to that data when it's saying, you know, today might not be a great day to, to, to crush it and go as hard as you can. So I've noticed um, intensity has dropped for me because I want to come through this, you know, feeling good and strong and and not have a setback. So, um, but it's a challenge. It's, this has been a long time. So, it's a, you know, it's a lot of stress, but it's a nice reminder too that physical stress isn't the only stress that we're, we're being placed under.
1: Yeah, exactly. Same here.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for your time today. Uh, I hope this really gives some of our listeners some good insight on what heart rate variability is and, and how they can start uh, applying it to their own training and, and life. Um, So if if anyone's interested, where should they go just to learn more about you, more about the the app and and anything else you might be up to?
1: The easiest is uh, hrvfortraining.com. That's the website of the tool. And, you know, there's also a blog with all sorts of uh, things. We try to... um, Uh, document and explain to provide, you know, educational material and guidelines and information about the studies we do. So probably that's, that's the best place.
0: Awesome. And, and I, you know, I've obviously promoted this before and it's a great tool, uh, but also a great website, all the emails that are sent out on the the data you guys are collecting and the research you're doing. And it just really gives you some great insight on how you can uh, maximize your, your recovery strategies that you might be doing to see if they're actually helping you. And now you have a tool to show that you're, you're making a difference in your physiology and uh, you're ready for your next race or your next hard workout or whatever it might be. So again, thank you and um, hopefully we uh, keep in touch and get you back on here in a future date when we get some of these results back.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Hi.
0: All right guys, well that's gonna do it for episode 71. A big thanks to Marco Altini uh, with HRV for Training. Definitely check out their blog. Check out the app, uh, some amazing resources to help you with your recovery. Um, don't forget, the show notes for this episode are at ocrunderground.com slash episode-71. So anything we mentioned uh, throughout this show, you will find there. Uh, don't forget about the virtual race. We'd love to see you there. Just $20. You'll get a finisher's uh, t-shirt. Uh, really cool event. Um, head on over to ocrunderground.com slash virtual to learn more about the race and sign up there. And if you're looking for help with your program and want to set up a virtual functional movement screen with me, uh, just shoot me an email at mike at OCR and we can set something up with you. And I'll be back soon with more great info to help you out with your training. But until then hang in there. We're going to all get through this. And really, I think the the biggest thing we're going to learn is if you're not making health your biggest priority right now, um, you need to seriously reevaluate that because that's what's getting us through this and that's what's going to keep us stronger and recovering as fast as possible. So stay healthy out there and uh, I will see you guys next time.